What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Core Consult RX podcast. Cole, you ready for part two of RA? I'm ready for part two. Just us again. The thing is, I know everyone after the last episode, the suspense has literally been killing. This is like when you Mandalorian episode gets posted. Yeah. And then you literally can't wait till next week. Wait a Friday. whole other week. Like, why can't they just yeah. release them all at the same time? Exactly. Thanks a lot, Disney Plus. Just way to pay more. Way to be selfish. So Netflix who's, who does it right. And I saw some meme everything. and it was like, you know, pay however much per year, a hundred or whatever it is per year for Disney Plus. And then below it it was like, no, pay a hundred plus per year for Mandalorian. That's, that's <laughs> the only reason you pay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's the only good show on that. I mean, I guess the Marvel movies but we all have you get all the marvels you get all the star wars movies i mean there's some cool stuff i've actually never once in my life, i've had disney plus since it came out mm-hmm. like literally got like the day it came out like with the free trial thing yeah never once have i ever looked at any other thing on i have no idea what's on there it could be the greatest shows of well, all they time. have like all the I Nat click on Geo. star wars and i like yeah net geo had no idea that no somebody's mentioned that i was like why would net geo be on disney i guess they own them who knew but uh i would click on the star wars button or click on the marvel button call it a day that's it <laughs> no more no more research i haven't watched anything but star wars and marvel content i think that's it yeah but like not in a nerdy way <laughs> oh yeah totally in the non-nerdiest we way do push-ups while we watch <laughs> <laughs> they're mainstream right we were allowed to do that and listen star wars is back in in mm-hmm. a big way. Oh, yeah. Which, even though, um, you know, some of the more recent movies didn't do great on Rotten Tomatoes. But, nah, that's um, fine. Nothing ever does good on Rotten Tomatoes unless no. it's boring. Yeah. Unless I, it's, yeah, the hunt. You never want to watch something that's 100% on Rotten never. Tomatoes. Never. It's no terrible. Joke. Every movie that's like my favorite movie of all time, a bunch of favorites. Yeah. Is literally like horrible ratings yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. Like they're at always best, hilarious. 70 to 90, like the, the at best. But uh, the. Yeah. Mine are usually like. 20. Oh, well, I, I can imagine the... I like stupid comedies. The comedic like movies. That, yeah. that you, <laughs> yeah. And people are like, no, not professional or whatever the heck they did. But Judge on, I've never actually looked into it. Yeah. But... um, I used to like swear by it. I used, if I was going to watch a movie, if I was going to take my time, you know how valuable my time is? It's extremely valuable. If I was going to take two hours of my time to watch a movie, it better have a good rating on Rotten mm-hmm. Tomatoes. And then I realized, like, it's all crap, you know? Just to, I can definitely be entertained by a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, oh, I can be entertained by way less on YouTube. So, <laughs> so and the thing is, if you're a movie critic, that's pretty cocky. Yeah. Like, who are you? I know. To you're, tell me what I'm going to like. You're an expert, so much so of an expert at movies. The audience know. score is much more reliable. Yeah. Oh, you mean the one that actual people and the not actual some people crazy rate. dork yeah. in an office somewhere? Yeah. yeah. If you're a movie critic, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Is this a medical podcast? So he's like, medical's in a medical <laughs> movie crack. I hate you guys now. Uh, there you go. It's another negative comment on iTunes. There I just go. did it. Always blow it. <laughs> <laughs> All the movie critics out there. Anyways, natural transition now. Let's talk about some biologic <laughs> as far as treatment goes for RA. So if you're just randomly clicking this episode for the very first time. You might want to go back. Go back to last episode, part one of this, because um, we're going to, we basically went through some of the, you know, opening stuff for RA. Some of the Unless patho, you know and, all of the intro and first line treatment of RA and you're like, I need information on biologic, biologics and Janus kinase inhibitors. Then you know what? That would be a rational option. Yes, to skip that one. But so, we don't want you to skip any. No, for sure. It helps our numbers when you when you, when you watch all of them, obviously. <laughs> so at least click on it. Come on, people. We're trying to run a business here. 
All right. Anyways, sorry. We're going to start with anti-TNF alpha biologics, and there are numerous, but one of our uh, most familiar ones probably is going to be our adalutumab humera. Um, so this is one of our, again, most common ones. It's something that's going to be administered now subcutaneously, and we also have that citrate-free version now that um, apparently hurts less. I haven't tried them myself, but uh, apparently there's less injection site reactions and all that Anecdote good stuff. Anecdote from a patient says it's a big difference. Yeah, really? Yeah. I've had a, I've had a couple of people tell me it makes a big difference too. But um, it's going to have similar response rates to those that are seen with you know other TNF-alpha inhibitors. Um, but uh, most common side effect is the, is the injection site reactions. But that was done initially clinical trials before that citrate-free version. Which I'm available. sure there's still some, but yeah. um, less less so. But um, also the, the big thing is it, there's a lot of biosimilars for this now. So that's where things get a little confusing. Because mm-hmm. And just to give you two, like there's um, Amjavita. Um, and then the other one I can never pronounce is like Silatezo. Um, the brand names are getting you now. I know. Well, <laughs> like, now they're just getting ridiculous, these brand names. <laughs> Like this, come on. That's because they already had the other name picked yeah, out for they're the like, similar. They're like, like our, our generic name is on this level of hardness, so we only have to go down to this level of hardness for the brand name. Yeah, so it is what it is. But a lot of biosimilars. Um, I think we've probably mentioned this before at some point, but if if there's ever like a concern, to, you know, and you're wondering if something can be directly substituted for one, like for example, with uh, insulins like Basiglar and um, Lantus, mm-hmm. technically the same thing, but you're not supposed to. Like from a pharmacist standpoint, now clinical, if you're in a clinical, obviously you switch that joke, you flip, you switch that junk real fast. (laughs) No phone call necessary. But if you're in retail or just, you know, dispensing and stuff, technically speaking by law, you are supposed to call and get a new prescription for, um, actual Basiglar. I I like a lot of our providers cheat. They just write, if, if Inflantis is not approved, please switch to whatever. Which work? I mean, it's it's all a verbal okay anyway. For sure. But, um, it, what I was going with that is if you are wondering if something can, because there are some that are. To, you know, can be switched because they're considered identical options. Look in the um, FDA's purple book, which is online. That'll tell you it's all meant for biosimilars, and they can uh, you can list their kind of like with the orange book where it lists yeah. AB rating of generics. This list and says whether something's actually a, a equivalent. They so. have a lot of books, and they, do. um, they don't give them clever names. It's just orange book color. Paint, it's like they're written book. for two for you know kindergarten. They have little coloring spaces and mazes. Yeah. It's not, it's very strange. But yeah, you'll recognize Humira because it's used for multiple other disease states, but it's also valuable in RA because TNF-alpha plays a role in a lot of disorders. One of the main inflammatory culprits. Yes. If you were on the early stages of research in TNF-alpha, then you were on to something. So another option is Inbrel, Etanercept, uh, which is another anti-TNF-alpha biologic DMARD. The dosing is 50 milligrams. This is also a subcutaneous injection uh, with injection site reactions being the most common side effects. Um, there are rare side effects, uh, one called neurologic demyelinating syndromes, um, so like multiple sclerosis. So apparently um, it can um, lead to a multiple sclerosis-like rare reaction, but it's rare. Yeah. Uh, clinical trials show that it does slow disease progression to a greater degree than methotrexate, uh, which is good, but... Um, you know, it's expensive and all of these are going to be more expensive. So, um, specialty departments and, um, PA departments are going to be heavily involved in getting these approved and paid for. Uh, it does have a biosimilar as well, a Relzy, um, and they are not interchangeable. Uh, we, we looked that pur- one up for you. Yes. We did the work for you. You're welcome. Per the purple book. Per the old purple book. 
Uh, yeah, that's definitely sounds like a child's book. That's <laughs> very good observation, Cole. <laughs> um, but uh, the other thing is too, just to throw this out there, because you mentioned cost. Um, if if a patient's getting a prescription from this and it's outrageous, their their insurance isn't covering things. The other thing is make sure um, you kind of do a check in your local area for any kind of like FQHC or any place that has like 340B pharmacy. Because I know like at my clinic, cash paying patients pay $25 for Humira. No way. Yep. That's Is that insane? That is. It's not the citrate free though. So you will be a little bit more pain, but your wallet will not be. Your wallet, we, you might have back I, problems. I would your rather would be so stab fat. myself with a sword than in the leg than get a uh, couple thousand, six thousand yeah, dollars. I think it it's, I think it's legit, like four thousand five hundred. It's for, crazy. Yeah. So yeah, we have, you know, shout out to our clinic, but um, no, we have that is twenty five. Yeah. It's the only, it's the only one of the TNF alpha inhibitors I believe that we have that's that cheap. But it's, it's used for multiple things. So mm-hmm, that's a great one. Yeah. Now. So it's a game changer, but there's a lot of opportunities like that in the community. I think a lot of people aren't aware of because yeah. of 340B. So please make sure you like kind of research that a little bit. You can help patients out big time. Yeah. Infliximab or Remicade, um, another uh, antitine of alpha, but it's going to be given as an IV infusion. Um, so it's given typically it uh, initially zero, two, and six weeks apart, and then every eight weeks thereafter. Um, now, there, in order to prevent the formation of uh, an antibody response because it is a like a foreign protein, um, typically we are going to give oral methotrexate with this um, along with it as the person kind of continues the infliximab. Now, once we kind of get into the algorithm of treatment, you're going to see ethotrexate usually goes along with all of these, um, ideally, because it does enhance the efficacy. Um, but this one especially, you can kind of prevent that um, antibody formation, that antibodies against infliximab. Um, loss of response may be seen in patients with RA um, if they've had um, a good initial response, um, but they've had to increase their dose, um, you know, and, and shorten the intervals between doses, things like that. So kind of just pay attention to how the patient's response continues. So if you get a response early on that's doing well, but um, then it turns, you know, the patient starts requiring more frequent dosing, you may be losing your response and may need to switch agents and change it up. Um, there is also uh, infusion reactions that can happen. So, you know, fever, chills, um, pruritus, rash, things like that that you expect. Um, but it can happen one to two hours after giving the, the drug. So usually kind of pre-medicated acetaminophen, um, diphenhydramine, maybe even corticosteroids in some cases, and uh, just kind of depending on the severity of that infusion site reaction. So those are the big three, the ones you've probably heard of most often. The last two are a little um, lesser known. Symponi is the brand name for this one. Golimumab. Um, it is uh, available via subcutaneous injection, also IV injection. Um, the IV is called Symponi Aria. Uh, it's two milligrams per kilogram infused over 30 minutes, and it's at four, zero, four, and then every eight weeks after that. So it's kind of similar to um, infliximab. Uh, subcutaneous injections, 50 milligrams a month. So once a month injection, once a month injection. The other is Simzia, name might sound familiar, Sertilizumab peg, Pegol or Pegol. Uh, it's a subcutaneous injection as well uh, at zero, two, and four um, weeks, and then 200 milligrams every other week. Uh, but you could also do 400 milligrams a month if that was more convenient. And, and we didn't go into dosing like super specifically, but a lot of these do have loading doses. Yeah. Same with like psoriasis and other, other you know, indications for these. They do have loading doses. So if 
you're not sure, double check because they are different loading doses, different doses in general, depending on the indication. So if there's ever any confusion, maybe double check because I've definitely seen um, some come through there, the wrong dose for that particular indication. It could have been just as simple as clicking the wrong button on the EMR. Seeing it say again, clicking it. So um, things to kind of consider with all of these agents. The big one is the black box warning um, because they can increase the risk of serious infections, um, some of which could even be fatal. So that's obviously a big discussion because these can be very effective and and, um, more so than the DMARDs. However, it's that cost of the potential for side effects. Yes. Um, So making sure you're kind of having that conversation with patients because if they see the commercial on TV and you didn't have that conversation with them, they might be upset. Right. Um, and then also, you know, some other things that could, you know, demyelinating disease, like Cole talked about earlier, seizures, um, hepatitis B reactivation, heart failure potentially. So then you need some like cardiomyopathy as well. I mean, there's hepatotoxicity. Um, and it's one of those things that, um, you know, we typically are not going to use with any other like biologic if possible. And then also no live vaccines. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just kind of pay attention because there are so many biologics now. Double check the patient's med list to make sure yeah. they're not anything else. Because they might be on Humira for one thing and now you're starting them on Remicade for this thing. Right. Um, TB tests required before starting. And then um, as well as CBC, LFTs, um, you would want to get a um, hepatitis B as well because that way you, you need to know whether or not you need to be watching for a flare-up. Um, and then again, it's typically going to be something that a patient who maybe the DMAR treatment was not enough and then you're kind of escalating to this and um, they can be started initially as well. Typically, they start with methotrexate initially if the person is first presenting with severe RA. So yep. it's not like you have to go to DMARDs first and, and fail those treatments. You can potentially start off right with the big guns. Right. And um, yeah, and it, it, now it's going to be hard to get it covered if you're if you're dealing with that. They're probably going to want you to try and fill multiple things before they're going to pay a couple thousand dollars a month for for these drugs yeah so that is the tnf related biologics there are other biologics that can be used and these act on uh different inflammatory markers that we kind of referenced before so they're considered non-tnf biologics so you're really going to have to dig back into your immunology course uh for some of the terms here but we'll just give you um, some of the mechanisms of action because i think they're very interesting uh, so the first is brand name orencia a beta sept um, another biologic that is not TNF alpha related. So it inhibits T cell activation. It binds to CD80, which you probably heard of that, and CD86 on antigen pre- presenting cells, um, blocking the required CD28 interaction between antigen presenting cells and T cells. So, like I said, immunology. We're going to have one big lecture on just CD binding proteins and all that good stuff. Oh, well, we, yeah. We, I mean, we could go do a deep dive in immunology and stuff and get, you know, Dr. Hall on here. I'm sure he'd yeah, go crazy with that, man. There you go. Yeah. Say, we need to get someone who actually knows what they're talking right. about from for sure. <laughs> right. It's key. Sorry, um, go ahead. So, in patients who failed to achieve the adequate response um, to the TNF-alpha inhibitor, um, they're not going to have necessarily as great of a response to this. So one half had a, a clinical response to a beta sept. So not everybody, but about half did still have a response. Um, the AMPLE trial was a head-to-head trial of uh, a beta sept added to a stable methotrexate dose. This showed um, similar efficacy and adverse effects to Humira plus methotrexate uh, in a patient who had not had a biologic before with an adequate response to methotrexate alone. Um, so non-inferior, so that's good. Adverse effects, um, headache, nesopharyngitis, 
dizziness, cough, back pain. Um, they can increase blood pressure, cause dyspepsia, and increase risk for UTIs. Um, also, they may experience some pain in their extremities as well. Another option is uh, rituximab. So this is going to deplete CD20. Um, and so, again, with all these, they, they kind of classify as non-TNF-alpha inhibitors and because that's the only way to kind of classify them because they all have different mechanisms of, ac- of action, basically. But this is going to be, again, useful for those patients who maybe failed methotrexate um, and then sp- especially um, a potential option if someone's failed a TNF-alpha inhibitor as well. Then um, you could switch to somebody something like this, a non-TNF-alpha. But it's going to be two infusions. So they're given two weeks apart. Um, they're also given with methylprednisolone, typically 100 milligrams, and uh, should be given 30 minutes prior to the rituximab, and that's going to help with that, you know, the, the severity of that injection site reaction potentially. Right. Um, and then also typically given meth- with methotrexate um, at the usual doses, and so you're getting kind of these two injections, and then you kind of wait and see how how well the patient's going to respond. Um, and then the duration of that benefit can kind of just depend on on the patient. Um, but most, I shouldn't say most likely, there, there is a chance that they're going to obviously need a, a retreatment um, as their as their disease kind of reactivates. So I, I, I would be pretty surprised if too many people are one shot with this and then done. But again, the methotrexate is kind of uh, given along with it, just like the other agents, even right. though this isn't a continual dosing thing. Right. Uh, so the last non-TNF-alpha biologic is tocilizumab, um, Actemra. So this attaches to IL-6 receptors, uh, prevents cytokines from interacting with those IL-6 receptors, and that's uh, what its immunosuppressive action is. So it's approved for use in adults with moderate to severe RA who failed to respond to one or more DMARDs. So before you're going to be able to start this, you have to try and fail um, another DMARD. Uh, be surprised if you're going to get it approved after just trying methotrexate, but um, as far as the indication goes, you can. Uh, the ADACTA trial um, uh, looked at tocilizumab. Patients with severe RA unable to use methotrexate found it um, as monotherapy, that is, Actimera as monotherapy, to be more efficacious uh, in symptom improvement than Humira therapy by itself. So it was actually shown to be superior to Humira in this trial. And there you go. That's all you need to know, right? Game changer. Yeah. So uh, I do like that they have some head-to-head data like that because... Take a chance when you do that. Yeah. Yeah, you sure do. Yeah. As we saw with the GLP-1 friends. Yep. Paying millions of dollars to show that your product stinks. It's not the way to go. <laughs> that's that's why, you know, they take a risk. They yeah, sure do. And I'm sure there's profit loss. Uh, somebody had a, a big, somebody got fired probably more than likely. <laughs> I would right. say most likely. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably, someone, someone was called into the office. <laughs> <laughs> someone was taken behind the woodshed, as they say. So um, that's that's our non-TNF-alpha inhibitors. But the other class, again, that would be considered non-TNF-alpha, but there's kind of a class in and of itself, is our Janus kinase inhibitors. Our Janus kinase inhibitors, I said it wrong. Sounds like a name, Janus Janus kinase. Mm-hmm. She lives next door. She yeah. nice, makes cookies every once in a while. Yeah, her yard looks great. This is 1965, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> when people did that kind of stuff. Janus kinase. Yeah, you know, the cookies are in the, wind, in the window still because people didn't steal stuff back then. <laughs> All doors unlocked. <laughs> Don't need them. <laughs> 
So the uh, mechanism of action, the first one, we'll talk, I didn't even say the drug name. First one we'll talk about is the one we've probably seen before, Zeljans. Um, I think they still play commercials for this they drug, do. even though it's been a minute. They do. Mechanism of action, you're obviously inhibiting that um, that jack enzyme, the Janus kinase. So um, you're going to uh, stimulate immune cell function. Now, black box warning associated with this one. Just like with our other biologics, serious infection risk, um, so tuberculosis. It also could increase your risk of you know, fungal, viral, bacterial infections. And there is even a potential risk for lymphomas. Mm-hmm. So definitely not not good there. And some things to talk to your patients about because that's uh, some, some serious potential, but probably rare. But at the same time, you need to have a conversation. Some other warnings, GI perforation. Um increased LFTs and then it really hasn't been studied um, as, at least in anything that I've seen in patients with a creatinine clearance less than 40 so as as renal function declines that's where you kind of get into more gray area um, avoid live vaccines just like with other biologics which luckily now we really don't have too many live vaccines that we're, we're given out unless someone needs MMR kind of late but um, adverse effects um, that are a little bit more common is going to be like our more like uh, upper respiratory infection, urinary tract infections, diarrhea and headache. Hypertension, though, is a big one and it also is increased lipids. Yeah. So you have a person with cardiovascular risk. This definitely is going to be a one you would want to use with some caution. And the big claim to fame with Zeljans, and you'll hear it in the commercials, is that it's oral. So most of these are injectables, but yeah. Zeljans comes in a tablet. Um, but to the lipids, so for monitoring, you want to monitor CBC and lipids at baseline four to eight weeks later than quarterly, which like we had said before, pretty that's pretty often. Um, you want to get LFTs at baseline and then non-specifically periodically after that. Um, interestingly, patients of Asian descent have an increased frequency of adverse effects to Zeljans. Uh, like I said, it's, it's a tablet, five milligrams twice a day, but it's also available as an XR uh, extended release 11 milligram tablet once daily if you're going to switch between those so if they're on the five milligram tablet and you want to switch to the xr just start the xr the day following the last dose of five milligrams um, it does have some sip interactions so you don't want to use it if they're also on a um, or if they also have a strong sip uh, 3a4 inducer and uh, there can be some dosing considerations with that as well. So if they're on the five milligram tablets, only do it once daily. If there's a strong, uh, I'm sorry, a moderate CYP3A4 inhibitor um, or a strong CYP2C19 inhibitor. Um, but just like all of these, Zeljans is very expensive, even though it comes in tablet form, about $5,000 for a one month supply. You don't have that for 25 bucks, do you? I don't think so. Yeah. I have to... Uh I guess I was trying to look and see um, if it's come down in price at all, but I don't, I don't know. It's still very expensive. Still thousands. Yeah. Still above what anybody's going to go to the pharmacy and pay. Right. Especially out of pocket. It's just, it's not the move. No. <laughs> um, all right. So we, we also have another um, oral uh, Janus kinase inhibitor as well. Um, all you me in it. Is I think is I can't even pronounce the brand name on this one. This is not good. I'm losing it. <laughs> you should have taken the generics, and I should have taken the brands. Oh my gosh, I'm blowing it. This is terrible. So um, this was approved back in 2018, um, and again, it's, it's indicated for moderately to severe uh, rheumatoid arthritis. And it's you have basically the indication says you have had to have a, an adequate response to at least one TNF alpha inhibitor. Um, it can be used alone or in combination with methotrexate, um, as well as other DMARDs if you need to. Um, and it should be used, um, it should not be used with any other, uh, obviously jack inhibitor, um, biologics as well, or other kind of like potent immunosuppressive. So things like azathioprine, cyclosporin, 
all that good stuff. You do not want to use it with that. So another pricey agent. And um, as we kind of look through the treatment considerations, these aren't highly recommended, I would say, for uh, rheumatoid arthritis. The biologics, non, um, the TNF-alpha, non-TNF-alpha inhibitors seem to be a little bit more frequently favored. Um, Versus the Janus kinase. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, that was it for drugs. So there's a lot of drugs that you can use. And that's just the ones we covered. That, yeah. <laughs> there's probably, there's a couple of those and there's like 30 in the pipeline. Yes. There's so, a lot coming down. Get I mean, ready, kids. Uh, targeted immunotherapy is the future of medicine. Of I mean, all the future. <laughs> pretty much everything, right? Um, they're going to be able to, you know, pack all sorts of stuff in and go straight in and, and attack what, what they want to attack. Um, so there's a lot of them and they're all expensive, but uh, you know, Think of the day when they're not, because it'll come probably in our in our lifetime that those will be just common things to go and purchase. I knew I was going to live forever, so that's good. <laughs> yeah. I've already predicted it. Well, you know, with monoclonal antibodies, why not? Well, sure. Um, but there are some other treatment considerations for RA, so we'll just quickly go through um, some a couple of trials that looked at some things head to head, and then maybe what your algorithm might look like um, as far as as you're walking through uh, treating a patient with this. So there was one trial called the RACAT trial, R A C. Um, it compared triple therapy with methotrexate, sulfasalazine, and plaquenil versus etanercept plus methotrexate, and they had non-inferior clinical benefit. So, um, you know, the the triple combination might have seen that as a as a benefit because you can you know use all three of these and avoid an expensive drug. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, one injection plus methotrexate, you can look at it was equivalent to using three high power um, immunosuppressive agents with a lot of side effects. So yeah. that was an interesting trial. That's the, the, I mean, and that's what I tell my students too, like with that, like when it comes to double or triple therapy, you definitely have a lot of potential side effects and things like that. But if you have a patient that doesn't have insurance and you yeah. can't find access to, you know, a cheaper biologic, I mean this, at least, at least there's hope that you can yeah. kind of get under control. You can still get them the benefit, you exactly. know, maybe more frequent monitoring, maybe more risk for side effects, but you can still get them the similar. Benefit. Exactly. Uh, there's also the SWEFOT trial, S-W-E-F-O-T, um, also looked at triple therapy, same triple therapy regimen versus um, infliximab, Remicade plus methotrexate. Um, infliximab plus methotrexate did have more benefit uh, at 12 months, but at the two-year follow-up, there was no um, clinical benefit from from that, so effectively non-inferior, so kind of a, another similar situation. Yeah. Um, and there's also, uh, there's a couple like meta-analyses and things like that. Um, basically there's a study that compared a lot of the TNF alpha inhibitors kind of with each other in regards to, you know, patients withdrawing from them because of adverse effects. And, um, it looks like infliximab seems to be the one that has the most adverse effects or caused the most patients to kind of stop using them. So while it does seem to be pretty efficacious and, um, you know, especially when used with methotrexate, that's the concern as you know, the adverse effects, especially when you're comparing in that same class. Um, that was a 2011 meta-analysis. There's also um, look, a study looking at increased risk of uh, serious infections that have been associated with um, infliximab, Humira, um, and a couple, I think it was two other um or maybe one other TNF-alpha inhibitor. But um, basically, they compared that uh, to placebo or traditional DMARDs and um, you know, they found that there was an increased risk, obviously, which we expected. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, well, actually, I take that back because I said this wrong, actually. It's the the three that I mentioned, um, the uh, infliximab, the Humira, and then the um, sertolizumab. 
Dude, I'm <laughs> killing it on these stinking words today. I promise, guys, I can talk. Um, that one had those had increased risk um, of infections, but the embryo and the gallium mubab. <laughs> this is it. I'm done. I'm quitting. Podcast over. Uh, <laughs> that was a tough one. It's, it's the worst. It, the word is basically gibberish. It, it's the worst <laughs> word I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Anyways, those two it looks like a um, turkey wrote it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I see what you, I see what you did that glob. Okay. Got it. I'm yeah. with you. So, um, those two actually did not have increased risk again from a meta-analysis from back in 2014. Um, so if you are worried about infections, you're worried about that. Those two may be the, the ones to go with. So some things to think about and, um, just to kind of, again, when you're picking between therapies, um, the, having that conversation with the, with the patients. Yeah. There's a lot of options and the guidelines give some guidance, um, as far as kind of how to step through it. So in patients with moderate or high disease activity, even though they're on a DMARD monotherapy, they recommend, um, doing one of these options. So switching to one of these therapies, either with or without methotrexate instead of continuing that DMARD. Um, so you can switch to a, a different DMARD and try that monotherapy or, um, combine some. So a double therapy or a triple therapy, kind of like we talked about before, um, or the additional, uh, the addition of, uh, any of these DMARDs with biologics, biologics, right. Any of the biologic DMARDs with methotrexate if possible. So the TNF alpha inhibitors would be first then the non TNF biologics. And as far as the Janus kinase inhibitors, they specify tofacitinib. I think when these were, when these were written, I believe that might've been the only one. It was the only one on the market. So then yeah, Janus kinase inhibitors. And also too, I will clear this up because I'm in the guidelines. It says it lists the biologics as biologic DMARDs. So typically speaking, like on like, if you look in like Dynamed or up to date, the DMARDs are the methotrexates mm-hmm. and the things like that, but it's not wrong to see if you see biologic DMARDs, that's just talking about the TNF valve inhibitors and right. the others. So in case that gets confusing, that's the difference. Right. So yeah. Um, and then as far as patients with moderate to high disease activity, um, despite being on a single TNF alpha inhibitor, um, that's where you can either add one or two, DMARs, adding methotrexate to them um, if they're currently not on that, or they recommend to consider switching to a non-TNF alpha biologic over switching to another TNF alpha. Um, and so, and as, as well as um, the Zelgens. So basically, because there's two different paths, and I remember even seeing this like in the textbook for pharmacotherapy, where you could, um, if you start on, on either a TNF alpha inhibitor or a non-TNF alpha, and then from there you could, again, your second line option could be Either or yeah. again, the guidelines do recommend that if you start on TNF alpha inhibitor, it's not there, either adding another methotrexate or switching to a non TNF alpha as your next move. Yeah. So it's not wrong to do it the other way, but you can, that's kind of what their recommendation is. Yeah. Um, and, and lastly, kind of similar to that, uh, if they still have moderate to high disease activity despite greater than one. TNF alpha inhibitor trial or greater than one non TNF biologic uh, trial sequentially. So not at the same time, consider a different non TNF biologic with or without methotrexate as a first option before doing the Janus kinase inhibitors. Um, you know, at this point you've tried a lot of things and, and this is, you know, this is kind of salvage therapy, I guess. Um, but if you can get a patient in remission, don't discontinue everything that they're on. You know, hopefully that's apparent. Um, but you can consider tapering therapy depending on how many things they're on because obviously these are kind of nasty meds sometimes and there's a lot of monitoring and side effects that can happen. Um, and 
we didn't, uh, I don't think we mentioned either if they've been on two sequential TNF-alpha inhibitors, did we? Oh, no, we didn't say that. So, and this is coming from Dynamed. So Dynamed is usually very like kind of evidence-based mm-hmm. and up-to-date and, and no, no, yeah. No pun intended against their rival up to date, but um, Dynamid's usually good. But one thing I thought was interesting, if you look, when they they talk about a uh, patient being on two sequential TNF-alpha inhibitors or more in a row, they, again, recommend switching to a non-TNF-alpha over Zelljans. So mm. that's one thing. And then they say if a patient has um, been on... Uh, what's the other one? If they've if they've been on one TNF alpha inhibitor and one non TNF alpha inhibitor se- sequentially, obviously yep. not. <laughs> well, they were on both because that would be ridiculous. Right. Um, they want you to consider another non TNF alpha inhibitor, so just one of the different mechanism as opposed to Zeljans before going to the Janus kind of. So yeah, apparently so is not like Zeljans. No, they, they hate on apparently it they like the the TNF. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, TNF alpha is important and so they like the drugs that act on that better and they well and then the the ones that are resistant to that they always push the non tnf alphas as over zelgens every time yeah so that was the other thing like if you look at some like the pharmacotherapy textbooks and whatnot zelgens is kind of thrown in there like yeah it's another yeah. third option they Dynam- don't like that dynamid didn't like that at all so all right dynamid and they're smarter than i am so I've, i i like it <laughs> yeah so it, yeah just to kind of put that out there and then like cole said you know it's considering taping if you need to but don't Discontinuing all RA therapies, not a good idea. No. Most cases. Probably going to come back. It's going to um, rear, its, rear its ugly head, as they say. So just to kind of close up, there's a couple comorbidities, just kind of things to keep in mind. Um, if a patient has uh, latent um, TB, so um, you would want to obviously treat that, and then one month later you can use a biologic, you can use Zeljans, whatever. If they have... Um, active TB, you still obviously need to <laughs> fix the, you need to treat that and not, you know, get, give them therapy until it's done. Um, if a patient has congestive heart failure, then if, if you need a biologic, do a non-TNF-alpha inhibitor. So Humira is the one we always think about with like um, reduced ejection fraction heart failure, things like that. But non-TNF-alpha inhibitors don't have that same risk as, as TNF-alpha. So um, there's that. And then if a patient has, um, let's say, like hep C and they're not receiving treatment at all, um, you would want to either do a DMARD um, in, in one of the DMARDs over using like a TNF-alpha inhibitor because, again, you don't want to lower the infection risk any more than it already would be. And uh, if the patient's receiving treatment, especially hep C, that's a cure basically. So no restrictions once they're on treatment and you know, get rid of that viral load. Um, hep B, no restrictions as long as you're monitoring for reactivation and, you know, following them closely. But, uh, nice. Yeah. Just a couple of, you know, points there just to make it even more confusing than you already were. I like that we went from not doing RA in the first 120 episodes to like doing a pretty solid episode on our two episodes. If on you RA. do say so yourself, <laughs> I, 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 I love the confidence. Yeah. No, um, yeah, but you know what? We had all the I feel good about it. You can always go more in depth on, you know, um, everything on, a, on pretty much anything. But, you know, as far as overview goes, we're more of a subcutaneous podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're not I am. We're, we're not I am at all. We're more subcutaneous. <laughs> just kind of see how it goes. Yeah, we'll get there. It's 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 once we've exhausted all these, you know, sub Q topics yeah we'll be forced to go deeper <laughs> we'll be trans we should say we're transdermal <laughs> we're trans- then we're gonna go sub q and then we'll think about i am after that yeah and eventually maybe in like 50 years will be iv <laughs> there you go we'll, we'll be 100 bioavailable <laughs> with our episodes this is the worst Im- improv comedy <laughs> session of all time <laughs> 
Oh boy. Okay. People are like, thank God this is over. <laughs> they they turned it off. What yeah, do you yeah, mean people? We, yeah, that's true. They're off. And they're already it's leaving the bad comment on, on all the sites. Um, but thank you guys so much for sticking with us. And uh, I hope that was helpful. Um, any questions, anything like that, make sure you email us you know, or corrections or things like you want to comment for sure. Send us a message on Instagram or any of the other social media platforms. Um, you can uh, reach us pretty easily on there. You can also text us directly, uh, 415-943-6116. Um, check out our Patreon page if you want. Um, that definitely helps support the show and you get access to all my like PA school lectures that I do for my students, um, as well as my slide decks and all that stuff. It's gotta be like a thousand to two, maybe more. I've never counted them. It's a lot of slides. That's a gazillion of them. Basically a year's worth of three hours a week lectures. But, um, yeah, posting those on there, some, some, some good stuff, maybe, you know. We'll, see, we'll call it mediocre. Well, we might have some good stuff in the pike. You know, we've got some ideas. Medium. So we'll see what happens. We'll call it medium. <laughs> right. Medium content. But uh, yeah, so thank you guys so much for listening. Um, definitely reach out if you have any questions and we'll see you next time. Have a good one.